You are listening to The Pause Podcast with me, Dr. Benji Epstein, a podcast where we will be giving ourselves the permission to pause. This will be a practical guide to live a life with courage, presence, and authenticity. Join us to reconnect with your most soulful and authentic self by pausing together. All right. It is all right now. Welcome back. These summer weeks are flying by and we're actually entering. We've just entered into the three weeks. The three weeks named because of their connection to this special Haftorah that are read up until the fast Tisha B'Av commemorating the destruction of the temple. These are the three weeks of destruction. And we know that each reading of the Haftorah, the speech of Yirmiyahu, Shimu Devar Hashem is listening, and then there's Chazon, there's seeing. So there's speech, listening, and, and seeing. And we've already covered seeing and how we can see the good, and maybe we'll talk about mindful speech. But this week we're going to just continue f- our focus on leaning in softly with the willingness to be changed by what we hear. Because this is such an important skill that we need more and more of these days. We were just talking how there's just no more discourse. Yeah. People are not listening. It's getting harder and harder to hear, to listen to one another, and also to hear our own inner voice. And again, this week's pause is dedicated to all of my clients, past, present, who demonstrate their bravery and vulnerability that I can only hope to one day embody as well. I am honored to be able to listen to all of you. And I aspire to be changed by the stories you are all willing to bravely share with me. So thank you. And a special shout out to the staff at Camp Ask, our summer home, to the chief rabbi of the world, Rav Judah, one of the headquarters of Jewish Soul, where the practice of of seeing the good is not merely preached, but practiced every second of the day. If the goal is soul, which it is, and transformation, then Hask is the laboratory. It is the headquarters. So sending love and blessings for a safe, fun, and transformative summer. Don't forget, T-shirt Tuesdays are mandatory. I wear T-shirts every day. I know, but <laughs> it's a mitzvah. It's a mitzvah on Tuesday. That's, the goal is soul, man. And as we continue on from last week's theme, we're just going to be going deeper because there's no limit to how deep our listening capacity can be. And the focus this week, because the feedback has been, how do we see this mindful listening from our own Jewish spiritual tradition? So many people have reached out to me and said, it's so much more gratifying hearing this from our spiritual tradition. While it might feel like eons ago, it was just a few weeks that we descended from our Sinai. We have just received the Torah and we're reminding ourselves what was the prerequisite for this receiving of Torah and the Tanai, the condition or precondition 
to receiving Torah was the same then as it is now today. What's needed is the ability to cultivate this attribute of hearing. And we see the entrance to the Parsha of the receiving of the giving of the Torah is Vayishma Yisro. And Yisro heard. The beginnings, as we've highlighted on numerous occasions, contained everything. There are no coincidences in the Torah, and this is definitely no coincidence, that the opening of the giving of the Torah begins with the emphasis on hearing, on listening. One of the 48 ways that the Torah is acquired is through Shmiya Sa'ozen, the ability to truly hear. Bishmiya Sa'ozen, you can't help but listen with your ears. But true Shmiya Sa'ozen is to listen with our heart, to listen with heartfulness. And I was thinking about the medrash that we alluded to last week, and it taught that Rabbi Abohu said in the name of Rabbi Yochanan that when Hashem gave the Torah, when God gave us the Torah, no bird was chirping, no bird was flying, no cow was mooing, the sea did not roar, and in fact, no creature uttered a sound. Even in the spiritual world, the angels were not flapping their wings, nor did they chant any praise of God. Rather, Throughout the entire world, there was only a deafening silence as the divine voice went forth speaking, I am the Lord, your God, in the voice of Morgan Freeman. And I heard a beautiful idea from Rav Pincus Zatzal, who explains that it wasn't like everybody needs to be quiet to hear the voice of Hashem. This was not like the John Cage story. Everyone needs to be quiet, and you can if you listen. But rather, consequently, the moment when things become quiet, when we're able to silence out the noise, the distractions, the barriers to presence, when we tap into essence, in that moment, we were able to clearly hear the Word of God. What a teaching. When we finally get truly silent, we can really hear. You can if you listen. Our job is not to seek love, but merely to seek and find all the barriers within yourself that you have built against it. The whole world, when it became silent, enabled us to finally hear the words of Anochi Hashem Elokecha. And to truly hear Anochi, we need to hear who that Anochi is. The Gemara explains that the word Anochi is an otrikon, an acronym, for Ana. Nafshi Kisavis I am giving myself over to you in this book. And this is how we are tasked to listen to life. In the book The Shallows, What the Internet is Doing to Our Brains by Nicholas Carr, he describes that because of technology, and let's see if this resonates with you because it definitely resonated with me. We're gaining this capacity to filter massive amounts of information and process it, but not in a deep and absorbent way. Instead, the more plugged in we are to the internet and the screen time, the less capacity we have to concentrate, the less capacity to make deep, meaningful associations, to immerse ourselves, and the less capacity to slow down. 100 and 99%. <laughs> that, was, that was the full Ben Wallach approval. There was like, he's like giving me like two thumbs up. Yeah, I mean, this is what, this is, these are things I think about all the time. Because you are a master engineer and this is something that you have to be focused on. Meaning 
it's part and parcel of like, we don't have the capacity to just slow it down. We need our stimuli to be coming at us faster and faster. And we don't have the space to listen and take it in. Here's this quote. He writes, when we go online, we enter an environment that promotes cursory reading, hurried and distracted thinking, and superficial learning. He says, it's possible to think deeply while surfing the net, just as it's possible to think shallowly while reading a book, but that's not the type of thinking that technology encourages and rewards. Guilty? Yeah. And that's why we're really honing in on this, because we're going against the current, because right now what's being rewarded is superficiality. What's being rewarded is just distracted and hurried thinking, which if we're doing that means, again, we're not able to listen to who and what is being said and who is in front of us. Isn't it great we have Shabbos? Yeah. It, it's literally the only time during the week where... It's a built-in, and we breathe this sigh of relief, and Shabbos, the day of being and not doing, is a built-in stopgap to just force us. And again, it's almost like, thank God, right? Thank you, Hashem. Thank God for Shabbos. If you weren't forced to do it, you'd never stop. Nobody. Nobody would stop. No, they don't. Well, we see it. Nobody, nobody. Like, yeah. People go on retreats. People pay many, 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 many shekels to go and just have a technology cleanse because we do not have a healthy relationship with our devices, with our screen time. No. And one of the things that we end up sacrificing because of our technology and cell phone uh, addiction, for lack of better term, and I'm going to stick with it, is listening. Listening gets neglected in so many aspects of our lives. And we're relating to this. We're talking about this. We rush through life. We strive to communicate more forcefully. We're going to turn up the vol- volume. And then we're just going to end up listening less and we're going to fail to truly hear what's happening around us and within us. And we've discussed this and we're going to keep saying it. The intention is to commit ourselves to listening with true Shmiyasa Ozen. We have to notice what's getting really, what's getting in the way. We have to get really clear on what's going on. And while this can happen in our daily conversations, this is also happening on a spiritual level. And so here is where the goal is soul is going to dig deeper. And we're all familiar with this Midrash that I'm about to share, but we need to lean in and listen in a different way this time, hopefully with the capacity to be changed by what we're hearing. So we know when Hashem gave the Torah, in order to sort of circumvent any complaints that people will say, hey, no fair, Hashem went around to all the other nations. You, you know this one? Stop me if you heard this one. No, don't stop me. And subsequently was turned down by each one. So first he offers the Torah to the descendants of Esav. And when he offers them the Torah, what do they say? They say, no. Well, they don't say no. First they say, before they say no sight unseen, they say, what's written in your Torah? That was your line, Ben. What's written in the Torah? And he says, you shall not murder. And then they say, Mm-mm. no. Mm-mm-mm. How can we accept your Torah? That's going against our very nature. It says, you will live by your sword. Pass. And then he goes to Ammon and Moab. And they ask, uh, do you want to take the Torah? No. They ask, what's written in the Torah? <laughs> Let's try that again. So he goes to Ammon and Moab, and they respond, they ask, what's written in the Torah? What's in the Torah? 
And when they hear that immorality is one of the main prohibitions, they said, ooh, sorry. I don't know if you know our, our background story or, uh, or story of origin, but we're tied into immorality. We, it's part of our natural, it's part of our national character. So we can't accept your Torah. And then he goes to Yishmael and the Midrash says, they could not then, as they cannot now, deal with the prohibition of stealing. Because the verse says, Sorry, God, we can't accept your Torah. It goes against our national ethos. And then only when he offers the Torah to the Jewish people, and without even asking what's in the Torah, we obey, and then right? we will listen, we will hear. So we're going to pause here for a second for station identification, because we've all heard this story. But the geniuses are the ones who are able to hear the story a thousand times and just ask something that's so obvious. Doesn't that sound unfair? Doesn't that sound like a ridiculous fantasy? Why would the omniscient God, when asked what's written in your Torah, share the one thing that this nation struggles with? The one thing that they feel is part and parcel of their being was the one thing that God told them was forbidden. There's a lot, lot written in the Torah. We know it's, it's pretty broad. There are a lot of rules. And it's a terrible sales technique at best and duplicitous and deceptive at worst. And does that sound like God? That the one area that they would certainly be unable to compromise, that's your selling point? It's a good question, right? Yeah. And and then like, I don't know, the Jews didn't even listen to the it. The Jews didn't even listen to it. That's, well, that's us. That's Before it. they accepted it. They're right. We're all in. Wasn't there a whole thing that like they, he lifted a mountain above us as well? He did. You know? He did. We had no choice. We had no choice. Well, that's where the whole idea of the Purim story comes in also is that we re-accepted it. Is there was a real, a legitimate cl- claim that said, hey, this, this was accepted under duress. But before we jumped in, what was going on with going around to all the nations and then giving this sort of impossible request of just like, we, you know they're going to say no. And the answer our Rebbe, Rav Moshe Weinberger Shlita, explained based on Reb Tzadok, I think in Divrei Sofrim, that the deeper meaning of this medrash, and he shares this as well, is akin to a lyric from Simon and Garfunkel, where the lyric goes, a man hears what he wants to hear. Disregards the rest. And disregards the rest. La la la. La 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 la. Rav Tzadok is explaining that in truth, when they asked what's written in the Torah, God presented the entire Torah to the nations of the world. But because the nation was so focused on stealing, for example... And it had become such a predominant way of life in that culture. So when God comes and offers them the Torah in its entirety, they could only hear one thing. You can't steal. You can't steal. You can't steal. And we all do it in subtle or not so subtle ways. And it makes it so that we're not there with that receptive presence. A person hears what they want to hear. They receive what they want to receive. There are messages, visions, sights, echoes, It all depends on how clear we are in our reception of the message, how open we are to that. 
if our heart is already filled with any sort of notion of God or ourselves or how things are supposed to be, then we can never truly listen, only if we have a clear reception, only if we are hearing with the willingness to be changed by what we hear. We're going to take the Torah. We're able to hear without any agenda. We are prepared to listen fully with the willingness to be changed. And that's what we're tasked to do every day and in truth, every moment of our lives. And in the words of the great Rabbi Lord, not Time Lord, let's go Celtics, or Star Lord, but a pause hero, H-E-R-E-O, Rabbi Sachs Zatzal, explains that Judaism is a religion of listening, not seeing. He says it's not to say that there are no visual elements in Judaism. There are, but they are not primary. Listening is the sacred task. The most famous command in Judaism, we were talking about this before, Shema Yisrael. Listen, Israel. And he says there's no English word that remotely equals the Hebrew verb shin mem ayin in its wide range of senses. To listen, to hear, to pay attention, to understand, to internalize, and to respond indeed. It is the nishma, the listening, the hearing, the heeding, the responding. That is the key religious act. Judaism is not only a religion of doing and speaking, it is also a religion of listening. Faith, I love this quote, faith is the ability to hear the music beneath the noise. The silence that counts in Judaism is a listening silence, and listening is the supreme religious act. What made Avraham, Moshe, and all the Nevi'im different, all the prophets different, from their contemporaries was that they heard the voice that to others was inaudible. In one of the great dramatic scenes of the Bible, God teaches Eliyahu, Elijah, that he is not in the whirlwind, the earthquake, or the fire, but in the cold mamadaka, in the still, small voice. And this takes training and focus and the ability to create silence in the soul, which we've been talking about, to learn how to listen, whether to God or to a fellow human being. Seeing can show us the beauty of the world, but listening, the act of leaning in softly, the art of mindful listening, connects us to the soul of another and sometimes to the soul of the other, capital O, God, as he speaks to us, calls to us, summoning us to our task in the world. And so he says, if I were asked how to find God, I would say, learn to listen. Listen to the song of the universe and the call of the birds, the rustle of the trees, the crash and the heave of the waves. Listen to the poetry of prayer, the music of Tehillim. Listen deeply to those who you love and who love you. Listen to the words of God in the Torah and hear them speak directly to you. Listen to the debates of the sages through the centuries as they tried to hear the text's intimations and inflections. I could listen to this man forever. Miss him terribly. And today, rather than a classical meditation, we finish with a story and an igun, a tune, a song, to cultivate this listening presence. So lean in with me. This is a story about the Balatanya, the first rabbi of Chabad. Rabbi Shneer Zalman Miladi, 
And it was only after he was released from his imprisonment in St. Petersburg, which we celebrate on Yacht Kislev, that he started teaching a more lengthy style that was characterized by the Chabad thought system. And this story is taken from Chabad.org. Shout out. And this is a drash teaching on a Gemara that says, says, animals that go on a chain on their necks in a public domain may go out on Shabbat and be pulled by the chain. And the Talmud is discussing a law of Shabbat, which is one of the laws where it says you're forbidden to carry from a private to a public domain. But if your animal is wearing a collar around its neck and you are permitted then to draw it along by means of its collar. But the Hebrew word that the Gemara, the Talmud uses for collar, shir also means song. And so what he did, what Rav Shneer Zalman did is he interpreted the words of the Gemara to mean that the masters of song referring to the souls and the angels. He says they go out in song and are drawn in by song. Their going out is a yearning for God and they're drawing back into their own existence in order to fulfill the purpose of their creation are all done by means by song and melody. Just like the rhythm, the tides, the ebb and flow of the breath, going out, going in, are all by means of song and melody. And this was still in the early stages of the Hasidic movement. And there was a lot of opposition by many mainstream rabbis and scholars. And this teaching, which spread throughout his followers, elicited a very strong reaction by his opponents because that is not what the Talmud is talking about. The Talmud is talking about collars and animals and public property and private property and has nothing to do with this very beautiful but not even close interpretation and in the city of Shklov, which was one of the bastion of opposition to Hasidut, this Dvar Torah, this, this drash, caused a particular uproar. And the Hasidim in Shklov really couldn't defend it. They were definitely not doubting the truth of their Rebbe's words, but they had a hard time defending this. And a little bit later, the Balatani, Roshner Zaman, was passing through Shklov on one of his journeys. And whatever you want to say about Hasidut, or even at that time, even with all the opposition, his genius in Torah was undisputed. So even his most vehement opponents, they were just going to acknowledge the fact that this is a Torah giant. And they went to visit him, and all these scholars came, and they presented him with questions and difficulties that they had accumulated in their studies. And the Rebbe listened attentively to all of their questions and did not reply to a single one. And in spite of this strange behavior, they invited him later on to give a lecture in the main study hall of the city. And so when he did that, there was a large room filled to capacity. Everyone was there. Some had come to hear the Rebbe speak, but most were there to stick around for the Q&A because they wanted to really stick it to him. He's, they saw he wasn't able to answer their questions first, and they were ready to really, again, give him the business. They were there to probably humiliate this Hasidic giant by demonstrating his inability to answer their questions. And of course, there was this background of the looming controversy of what was that sort of unconventional interpretation of that passage from the Talmud. And once again, he began his sicha, his speech, 
by quoting the Talmud where he says, all those of Sheer go out with Sheer and are drawn by Sheer. And instead of talking about oxen, he said, the masters of song, the souls, the angels, they all go out in song and are drawn by song. They're yearning for God and they're drawing back to fulfill the purpose of their creation are by means of song and melody. And at that point, the Rebbe began to sing. And the room fell utterly silent and everyone became caught up in the melody, a melody of yearning and resolve of ascent and retreat. And as the Rebbe sang, everyone in the room felt themselves transported from this crowded hall to the innermost recesses of their minds where you're alone with your confusion, with your thoughts, alone with your questions and doubts. But in this case, as the song continued, the confusion was gradually being dispelled. The doubts became resolved. And by the time the Rebbe finished singing, all the questions in the room had been answered. It was said afterwards that one of the people in the room, one of the town's foremost prodigies, said he came that day with four difficult questions that he had asked all the leading scholars of Vilna and no one was able to answer it. But he said, when the Rebbe began to sing, the knots in my mind began to unravel. The concepts began to crystallize and fall into place. One by one, my questions fell away. When the Rebbe finished singing, everything was clear. I felt like a newly born child beholding the world for the very first time, leaning in with the willingness to be changed by what we hear. And let's finish now with a nigun, a tune, a song that we have from the holy Piazesna Rebbe, Rav Klonimus Kalman Shapiro, Hashem Yikom Damo. And we could spend a lifetime talking about the influence the Rebbe had and is having on our lives right now. But for right now, just join me in this nigun that he sang. And the tune is based on a pasuk in Tehillim, chapter 86. Horeni Hashem darkecha, ahalech ba'amitecha, yached levavi liyira shemecha. Teach me your ways, O Lord. I shall walk in your truth. Unify my heart to behold the awesomeness of your name. And it was reported that this tune was composed by the Rebbe for use as a focusing verse in his quieting meditation technique, the technique that's described and discussed in a personal letter written by the Rebbe and printed in the Sefer, Derech HaMelech, which focuses on a meditation, Hashkata, of quieting, silencing your thoughts in order to hear what's really going on and improve your character traits. And this recording was made around 2007, and we're indebted to Rabbi Svi Leshem and his students at Yeshivat Patayin. And there was uh, some music that I heard on the YouTube version. So I want to thank uh, Rabbi Dr. Leshem, Yosef Ginsberg, our boy Neil Harris out in Chicago, and Dr. Mira Nishama. And here goes. Horeini Hashem Darkecha Ahalech Ba'amitecha 
Thank you so much for listening, really listening, really leaning in and listening with the intention to be changed by what we hear. That song will be released by me and Zusha in the next six months. (laughs) (laughs) Got to manifest it. Got to manifest it. Thank you so much again for taking the time to pause with us. The goal is soul. We'll see you next week. Baruch Adonai Leolam. Amen ve Amen. Thank you for pausing with us today on this Jewish mindfulness journey. If you enjoyed this pause together, please subscribe, share, and leave a review. This helps us get this and other soulful content released into the world. May the insights and stillness we've accessed today guide us in our daily lives. And may we cultivate greater awareness, compassion, and connection with ourselves, others, and with the divine. Let's pause together again real soon. The goal is soul.